Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the radio guy, Mike Prince. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Mike Prince Show. Coming to you each and every day right here by way of the Open Mic Broadcast Network. Our social media handles for Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter are all at the Mike Prince Show. The YouTube channel is Open Mic Broadcast Network. And, of course, our website, obnradio.com. 24-hour dial-in message line, 713-570-6736. Without any further delay, we're going to jump right into today's episode. Of course, today's episode is being sponsored by attorney Lee Van Richardson of Hempstead, Texas. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance of Waller, Texas, and Diva Skin Conditioner at DivaFeet.com. That's D-I-V-A-H-Feet.com. As we mentioned, the Panthers roll past the Dragons. They'll have a short week to take on the Jackson State Tigers Thursday night, 6.30 kickoff on the campus of Prairie View A&M University. My challenge is going to be Will there be a strong support and show out as it was for the homecoming festivities? It's an important game for the Panthers to keep hope alive for the Western Division, although they'll need some help. But it'll be interesting to see if PV Nation shows up loud and proud. And speaking of loud and proud, we had the basketball coaches projections for men and women's division of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And we'll get you up to speed on that. Hi, this is Sandy Pugh, head coach of the Prairie View A&M Women's Basketball, and you are listening to the Open Mic Broadcast Network. From the women's side, the projected finishes are Southern at the number one spot, Jackson State at number two, Prairie View at number three, Alabama State number four, Texas Southern at five, Grambling State at six, Alabama A&M 7, Mississippi Valley 8, Alcorn 9, and Arkansas Pine Bluff at the number 10 spot. Hi, this is Byron Smith, head men's basketball coach at Birmingham University, and you're listening to the Open Mic Broadcast On the men's side of things, it has Prairie View projected at number 1, Texas Southern at number 2, Grambling at number 3, Alabama State at number four, Jackson State at five, Southern at six, Arkansas Pine Bluff at seven, Alabama A&M at eight, Alcorn at nine, and Mississippi Valley at ten. Those are the projected finishes for the men and women's basketball divisions of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Of course, that season is just around the corner, just as it is for Baseball season, believe it or not, they're in the fall makeup of the baseball season in line with the World Series, which will feature the Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals starting today. So with that being said, we have a special treat for you on today. We're going to hear from the committee chair of the baseball coaches for the Southwestern Athletic Conference, Carlos James. We'll talk about some of the projected 
proposals coming up for the improvement of baseball in the Southwestern Athletic Conference and a feature sneak preview of the Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions. So without any further delay, we'll jump right into today's episode. The voice of student athletics, the Open Mic Broadcast Network. It's the radio guy, Mike Prince. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Prince Show. You know, we try to cover everything dealing in the world of HBCU sports from the rooter to the tutor. We are going to be joined right now. I know we're in the midst of football season, and I know that basketball season is right around the corner, but it's always baseball season, as we like to remind you guys here at the Open Mic Broadcast Network. I have on the line with us head baseball coach and the liaison of the Southwest Athletic Conference baseball coaches, Carlos James. How you doing, my man? I'm all right. How you doing? I'm doing real good. Let me first say thank you for making yourself available. Uh, and it's just always exciting to have you on board with us, man, where we can talk some baseball. It's good to ha- good for you to have me here, and I'm glad I can uh, be of some service and uh, be informative to our uh, SWAC audience. Okay, well, look, with that being said, uh, you guys had uh, your collective baseball meeting, uh, a lot of good things that are projected to be uh, heading in a new direction, or should I say an improved direction of the baseball conference. Why don't you bring us up to speed with that, and then we can move on down the road. All right, so uh, we had our head coaches meeting in uh, Birmingham, along, you know, in the SWAC office, along with the commissioner and his staff. Uh, I thought it was a, a very good meeting. Um, the future for SWAC baseball is very bright. Um, it's moving in the right direction. It's moving in the direction of uh, being able to compete at a national level. Uh, because the, the one other thing is I like to say is we have a really good group of coaches that's more concerned about the future of the conference and how that plays out over a 10 to 12 year period. And we want to leave the conference in a better situation than it previously in, you know, just like our predecessors did for us. Very good. And with that being said, people need to always note that when you're coming out of these meetings, there are nothing etched in stone. There are for the most part proposals that need to be taken back to the respected areas, chewed upon, even trimmed if necessary. Uh, before you can go with a yay or a nay. So can you bring us up to speed on what some of the uh, key proposals are? I know it was a lot to be discussed, but some of the key highlights that should be looking for improving the baseball conference. Well, one of the, the uh, there's several items that I, I would consider very, very key um, to the growth and development of our conference. One being um, the scheduling um, in, the, in the sense of, we're more moving and, and proposing playing everybody in the conference, um, going to a nine-week conference schedule that would allow us to play each and every team in the SWAC and basically do away with the East-West division, just like we did in basketball and football. Okay. Um, and in saying that, you would look at a schedule that would play out to where you would have uh, – five home conference weekends, four on the road, and then the next year you would have four home conference weekends and five on the road, and you would play everybody in the conference one time in a a three-game set, and you would go to 
I call it the, the triangle would be the Alabama schools, the Houston schools, and then us being Pine Bluff and, you know, far, the farthest north schools, you would only go to those schools once a year, which would help in the budget still, you know, for as travel and things like that. But you would also pick up more regional teams. For, in, in, for instance, we would play a Jackson State, a Valley, a Alcorn on a regular basis, along with Gramlin, which would offset those times that we have to go in and play either Texas Southern or Prairie View one year, Alabama State, and or Alabama and in one year, and it would be the same for those schools as well. So, and then also it would it would give you a true regular season champion, uh, which would which would again then affect you know how we do our tournament seating. Then now you would go instead of east west, you would go one through eight, and uh, it would make the conference a lot more a lot stronger. And then it would add an extra three games to where we'd be playing a twenty seven game conference schedule instead of a 24-game conference schedule, and you'll get a true uh, conference champion. Okay, now with that projection, and the, and I want to stress to the people that are listening, these are projected and suggestions only. Proposals. Right, proposals. Yeah. So with that being said, would that mean that your regular season would start a little bit earlier or a little bit later? Actually, uh, we would stay in the same footprint of what our uh, schedule looks like now. The only difference is every everyone will have those first three weekends uh, to play out of conference um, and play more teams, you know, in a regional basis. You know, so we're making the schedule of playing everybody once, and then once you start conference, you got nine straight weekends of conference. What has happened is over the past years, because we hadn't had that format, it's been difficult for us to get games in our off weekends, which causes us to have to play bigger schools and go further out to play them with less guarantee. Okay. So if you play those games early and you know you got those first three three weekends open, now, in, like in the case of Pine Bluff, I'm able to go out and play the, the, the Mississippi States, the Ole Misses, my regional schools like Arkansas State, so UCA, Little Rock, uh, Lafayette, Louisiana Tech, in a weekend series, get a guarantee, but it's near. It's within four to five hours of my campus. And to add that side note, it would actually increase your RPI rankings, would it not? Yes, uh, that's an <laughs> that's another uh, caveat to plan everybody because now it sets us up to to schedule more D1 competition midweek and or at the beginning of the season, which would increase our conference's RPI to where eventually we want to get to a point to where our champion and, and possibly our second-place team gets into the NCAA tournament. Okay. Now, uh, and once again, I want to stress to the people, we are speaking with Carlos James, who serves as the head baseball coach of the Golden Lions, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But he's also serving as the baseball liaison. What's the official title of that, Carlos? Uh, just the chairman of the baseball head coaches uh, committee. Okay. Um, just the chairman okay. of them. And so with these proposals that you guys have been kicking around uh, this past uh, week in the meetings, uh, I'm assuming that it's been received quite well by all coaches involved. Yes. Uh, you know, like, like I said, the main sentiment of the coaches is just to build the conference up. You know, um, 
it's not about you know nobody getting an advantage uh, here or there. It, it's just about moving the conference uh, forward and and putting the conference in a in a footprint to where we can we can up our conference rating from 32 out of 32 teams up to around you know let's get into the 20s you know 25 26 to where we can um, have more say when it comes down to postseason time because if you look at over the last say the last five to six years, you've had a number of teams in our conference that has went out of conference and won some key games against some power five schools and some really good major schools. I mean, just look here recently last year with Southern. You know, look what they did at, at Memphis. They beat LSU. You know, they had some more quality wins on their schedule. And, and just say, had they not won in this new format, and they not won the SWAC tournament and just say Alabama State did with what they've done over the last five years, now you've got a chance to get two teams into the NCAA tournament. Right, you right. Know, even, yeah, so, and even Texas Southern. You know, Texas Southern has went out and they've upgraded their schedule. Prairie View's upgraded their schedule. We consistently played a tough schedule over here as well, like in 15 for us. We beat uh, three teams that was ranked in the top 25. You know, so that gives us an opportunity. If you don't win, if something happens, you fall to doing that week of a conference tournament, you're still able to get that, that at-large berth. And then also with raising the conference's RPI, then now as a flat conference, we're not always going in as a number four seed. You know, we may be able to pull a three seed or a two seed, which now enables us to be able to compete for a regional title. Now, let me ask you this, and I know it's far-fetched, but, you know, you, you, you got to reach for the stars, right? And I hear you talking about positioning yourselves in these regional tournaments. Do you think there will ever come a day where we could possibly host one of these regionals? Yes, it, it, it just depends on the vision of the, of the people involved. And the one thing I always point back to, and you and I have talked, to this, talked about this before, I think we got the best leaders our conference that we probably ever had. And I know I hadn't been around that long, but just if, if you ever had a chance to sit in a meeting or have a conversation with Dr. Charles McClellan, his vision is what a vision for a conference should be. I mean, this guy is about business. He's about bringing the entire conference into the national spotlight, you know, whether it be just on the field play and the quality of play, uh, as far as sponsorships and things like that, television um, deals. So when you got a, a, a leader that has that vision, you can't help but to start to put things in place that's going to fit that vision. And I think with that, that's going to uh, filter all the way down to our president, our athletic directors, and our, our alumni to say, hey, you know what? We can compete on the national level especially with the structure that we now have in place now moving forward. Very well stated, my brother, and it's, it's exciting. You know, I'm, I'm a baseball guy. I don't care what season it is, and this is exciting news for me. We're talking right now with Carlos James of the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions. I want to touch on something, if I could. Uh, baseball, uh, you and I have had very deep, detailed conversations, and I might add pleasant conversations about baseball. It is a traditional mm -hmm. sport, and, and when you talk about the credibility and people's perception, 
Their perception is one thing until they actually get a chance to experience it for themselves. With that being said, was there any remote conversation about even redirecting how we're addressing our teams when it comes to uniforms and the credibility for the conference? Well, we, we touched on everything uh, within our conference uh, when our coaches meet about even our code of conduct with our players and teams, um, how we, you know, go about our game day situation. And also, you know, to the point to where how the SWAC conference has gotten to where we are putting out our own uh, TV production, where now ESPN is beginning to pick us up on ESPN3 as you just look right now into football. Uh, there's been a number of games being televised on ESPN3 because of the quality of our uh, production from the SWAC side. And, and what we've gotten from our, our uh, commissioner is we're going to do the same things in basketball and in baseball to start off your three major sports to, to get those networks to be able to pick us up. And now we're on television, and now people get to see the slack in a different light. Very good, very good. Uh, and with that being said, um, you're moving toward, and, and just to jump back toward the scheduling procedure and that once again to those that are listening these are proposals nothing has been approved yet but they're proposals and with the change in the redirecting of the schedule uh just like the power fives have been talking about well we're going to stop playing some of these fcs programs because the effect that it has on our rpi is that safe to assume that that will be coming down the pipeline for uh, SWAC baseball when it comes to Division Two and NAI programs, NAIA programs? Yes. Oh, definitely so. Um, again, within the meeting, our commissioner uh, stated that he's formed a committee within the conference that's going to um, set up a, a system to help us schedule better, um, letting us know which teams that we can schedule uh, with a good RPI rating, whether you win or lose by one or two, or if, if the game's at home or away, you know, which teams in your regional that you should, in your area, that's Division One that you should be playing that's going to continue to raise our RPI rating. Okay. Um, so, so the conference is doing a really good job of pulling all that information out, and they're going to give us a, uh, uh, I would say, a schedule or a blueprint on how to schedule. Like in my case, for instance, I got natural games now with, with Ole Miss, Arkansas, uh, Oklahoma, Mississippi State, TCU on a regular basis, well, those would probably be my top five schools that in the Power Five that I would play on a normal basis. But then also there's a, a, a spot in there where the conference is saying, well, now now you got to go out and schedule some really good mid-major teams. Say in my area it would be like Louisiana Tech, um, um, Arkansas State, you're talking um, uh, University of Louisiana, um, those schools like that, University of Central Arkansas. You know, so that way now that you play in a school that's uh, maybe a little bit above you, you may play four schools on that on that level that's a little bit above you that you got a chance to go in there. If you lose that game and you're on the road and you maybe lose by two, it don't hurt you. Or lose by one, it don't hurt you. But if you win the game, it helps you. But then there's another part of that schedule that will say you're going to play teams on your level 
that's right around our our financial footprint. So far as your your Stephen F. Austin's, uh, your Ohio Valley schools, like that, you know, your lower tier Missouri Valley schools. That now you got a chance to win those games, and you win those games while they're home on the road. That's going to also help your RPI. And with everybody in the conference doing the same thing, now when we play each other, you're not playing uh, RPI-rated uh, team three. 301 versus 278. Now you playing RPI rated schools. Now we get our ratings up. Now you playing 150 versus, uh, say, 102. You know, like Alabama State at some point, they've been as high as like uh, like 115 and 116 sometimes. I mean, remember in 15, we was ranked 99th in right, RPI. Right, right, right. And for those who are not understanding the RPI ranking, the lower your number is, the more credibility you have as a team and a conference. So uh, theoretically, I want to say it was like 298, 301 uh, rankings of the possible programs available in Division I baseball. So when you've been historically, uh, let's just say beneath the Mendoza line at 290 and below, historically so when you start breaking into the 200s and the 100s that really adds credibility to your conference and your programs as a whole and collectively yeah basically we try to raise our credit score <laughs> yes sir uh, there you go there you go i gotta get i gotta i'm gonna raise my credit score so i can go out and get some things now this is all exciting to me like i said this is baseball talk a lot of people might love it, but you know it's 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 our time, so we're gonna continue to talk about it. With that being said, yeah. with that being said, um, how uh, are you approaching one of the challenges that's been historically attached to the conference about the early starts, which leads to an early end, which then leads to a two-week gap between the start of the tournament which can, you know, like I know, baseball is about rhythm. Baseball is about timing. And two weeks is almost like taking two months off in a baseball season. Yeah. Um, one other part of that, you know, trying to move the schedule to plan everybody, we also propose that we may go to a 10-week schedule because we got this built-in rain weekend just in case we lose some games during the year. We, have, we got a built-in rain weekend the week before the tournament. Maybe cutting that weekend out and using that weekend for a rivalry weekend, you know, which, which at that point, now your final two weekends, week nine and week ten, leading up to the tournament, would now be uh, with your rivals. So, which will make all the games interesting, which is going to bring money in, that's going to offset that cost of keeping us on campus an extra week before our tournament, which will push that tournament back to the same week that everybody else will be on. You know, for instance, you would have a, a uh, I would use you guys, you would use Prairie View, Texas Southern in week nine at, at Texas Southern. Then in week 10, you would have the same two teams at Prairie View. Yeah, yeah, you know, so, I like you know, that. I like that. That's exciting. That, That's exciting, man. Yeah, that, that would make all the games meaningful. Um, it, it will push our schedule down a little bit, and it would also, you know, give us a way, you know, to to offset the revenue cost of staying on campus that extra week. 
Okay, so instead of you playing your rival like the first half of the season, you play each other on the back end of the season on that final right. two weekends. I, I like that. That right. adds a little drama, and it could be uh, an ideal situation, as you say, for for good baseball to be played at the end of the season. Yeah, of course. And then the, the you know the main thing is going to be the financial piece because now if you're playing your rivals, most of most of those rivals are are within you know, hour or hour and a half drive. You know, in y'all case, it's just cross town. If you if you take, for instance, a Grambling and Southern, you know, that's a, a natural rivalry there that now each institution can go out and get sponsorships and make it a, some type of classical series those last two weekends. There you, know? you go. So now sponsorship involved, you're able to generate some money. It's later in the season. More people can get to the games because they'll be played later in the day. You know, so uh, I think it'll make for some good baseball, and and it would also offset the cost as well. Now, in in Pine Bluff's case, would that game, that final weekend, uh, home and home, would that be against Mississippi Valley? Yeah, right now, traditionally in our conference, we've always been pitted against Valley. I don't know if it's a rivalry, but I think with the all the other schools having those kind of built-in rivalries, we're the only two teams that'll probably be against each other. A lot of people would beg to differ. You could probably make the case for Southern and Jackson being a rival, you know, or at at some point during the year. I mean, during my tenure, it was always Texas Southern for me. But just naturally, regionally uh, stated, I would use those teams because even with us in Valley, we're only probably an hour and 45 minutes away from each other. Of course, this year we got that testing coming up, which is a huge topic. Uh, in college baseball is mandatory, you know, so uh, I don't know if a lot of people know about bat testing, but, you know, it's been a problem over the years with the new bats and they put the rings in them and you have not said it happens in our conference, but, you know, it's been known that you could tackle with a bat now and the ball goes further. So now we all have to have bat testing prior to uh, uh, our conference play and our regular season games, which, now fans are going to be able to see on everybody's bat, you're going to have stickers uh, from each school. So they're going to wonder, like, why, why they got all these stickers around their bats? Well, it's because that bat has been tested and deemed eligible for that particular weekend or game. If that bat doesn't have a sticker on it, then that batter is out and the bat is, is going to be taken away. Okay. You know, so that's something that, that, that our fans need to understand and look for. Look for because it could come up, and then you go, well, why do they got all these stickers on the back? Well, we have mandatory bat testing now. Okay, now, so would that be an additional piece of equipment that the officials would bring with them, or each home team would have to no. have? Yeah, right now, each school is in the process of, we, we have to come up with our own machine, um, and then hopefully we'll get some uh, help from the conference in, in obtaining those machines to be able to do that testing. And then, you know, the other part too, going forward that we discuss is just like in basketball and football is getting um, video uh, replay uh, installed in our stadiums as well uh, to have one, you know, with uh, development of our, our, our programs and our team Two, you'd be able to take that same video camera and that same system and be able to live stream a lot of games. And then also it would help the conference because we can live stream those games to have those games now put on ESPN3 and have a broadcast. 
You know, so now if you get toward the end of the season and you got those hot matchups, every stadium will have the capability to be able to have that game at one versus two or that team that's trying to, you know, get up into the standings, get into the top two or top three. Those pivotal games can be on ESPN3 and or the Swag Digital Network in a high-quality type setting. Or for the rival weekends that's projected to be uh, coming up soon. So, I mean, I can see yeah. that. I can see that working out. And, and all that, all that's going to help with, with recruiting tremendously because now not only it's going to give us the ability to be seen in a lot of areas that we recruit in and, and be able to showcase our universities and our programs and our, and our facilities. So that, man, that's, and I got to remind the people, these are proposals. So I don't want right. anybody. Now, the, the, the bat testing, that's probably going to be a mandate, or is that a proposal as well? That, that's, a, that's an actual mandate that will go into effect this year. Okay, okay. Any other mandates that will be coming in that we can rest assured this is going to happen? Yeah, we have a 20-second a pitch clock uh, coming into play starting this year. We don't have to have the clock this year per se, but down the road there will be 20-second clocks in every baseball stadium because meaning the pitcher has to deliver the ball within 20 seconds of getting the baseball to kind of speed the game up. Absolutely. Now, that was a project that uh, most of your Power 5 divisions, the SEC in particular, had incorporated, and they've actually been using it now. I want to say this is about year four or five that they've incorporated it. And it was something that, yes. that they've actually looked into at the MLB levels. So uh, that does speed up the game. And um, is there a, a huge cost factor into implementing that? Or is that something that could be handled? Uh, of course, you can get any help from the conference as always. But, uh, or that's, yeah. is that something that, that most of your uh, conference schools could handle within their budgets that they currently have? Well, that's one of those, those situations that's going to be kind of fluid um, and, and just to kind of see what, that we can get uh, some type of league-wide deal to where we can get those clocks put in each you know, facility at a minimal cost. You know, uh, but that's something that we, we're going to go to uh, just a matter of time of, of when. Okay. Now, i, I got to ask this question. Would it be one clock? or a couple of clocks, and where are the proposed locations of setting these clocks up? Well, well ideally, you, you would have two clocks. You would have one one near the scoreboard, mm-hmm. and then you would have one, one behind home plate. There you go. There you go. So everybody can see what's going on from either infield or outfield. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Correct. So the twenty second, the twenty second rule will be in place, but don't look for any clocks anytime soon. But they are not, not this year. I, w- I would I would say within the next two years, uh, you you will probably see clocks in in every uh, stadium, and whether they be portable or something mounted. But you could you can rest assured we they'll get done. We'll we'll get it done. Okay, and you'll see that. That sounds um, good. Yep. The other thing we're working on now as well is uh, our tournament format. Um, we want to try to do away with those 9 a.m. games in the tournament-type setting and uh, try to figure out how to reward, you know, those top teams for winning the division, you know, or, or finishing first and second. You know, so you may go to a situation where we're trying to propose that you have, 
those first two games of the tournament it would be two games on one day and two games on the next day. And then uh, the third day, then you start to have some early games, but not no games that start at 9 o'clock. Okay, so uh, maybe early as 10 o'clock, or would 10 o'clock be considered too early? That's, that's a little early. We're we, we talking 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Okay, okay. And, and, and I can see that. Now, uh, I know there's a taboo word when it comes to the world of baseball. Starts with yeah. a B, but and, yeah. <laughs> with that being said, and some people are like, well, what are you talking about? Starts with a B. We're talking about buys. And when you say buy yeah. in baseball tournaments, it's like as they say, walking into the church house and just start dropping f bombs. So we don't want <laughs> yeah. we don't want to talk about that. But with this proposed new structure, how would you handle the top two seeds from East Division, or is there even talk about dissolving? the division as we once knew it with this proposed well, new schedule. Well, well, if you, if you have, if we get the new schedule passed, then you won't have, uh, the two divisions. You just have, a the, uh, one and two seeds, which they wouldn't necessarily get a vibe, but they would play the first day. And if they win, they would get a day off. And then even those, those teams that may finish four and five and five and six, or in the case of this year, that finished two and three, they will play that next day, and, and, and essentially that day off would be the first day of the tournament. Okay. You know, so, so you know, we're just trying to figure out ways to make make the student-athlete experience a lot better because you you battled all year long to get to the tournament and then have to do something that's unnatural, which is playing a 9 a.m. game. You never play a 9 a.m. game even if you make it to the regional tournament. You know, that never happens. You know, because if people don't know, in baseball, we usually have to park three hours before the game starts. So if you play a 9 a.m. game, like we've had to do uh, recently, now my kids are up at 6 o'clock in the morning. We're at the park at, you know, by 6.15, 6.30, you know, trying to get ready for a 9, 9 a.m. game. And then with, with that, you don't get the – I guess the intensity of play that you would normally get from your team that you've gotten all year long by trying to get somebody up and get them ready to play at 9 a.m. You and, know, and don't happen I'm, to be on one of those uh, night before extended games that went to 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and you end up in the loser's bracket or whatnot and have to come back for a 9 a.m. game. That's a nightmare. Right. And, and we're even trying to do something to – to get past that too, you know, even if we have to set the schedule back a little bit and play the next day and, and kind of push everything back, because even that playing into two in the morning, you know, that's that's hard on our student athletes to have to get back up and play a game early in the morning like that. And then if you're trying to get your, again, it's going back to strengthening the league and getting your best teams into the regional tournament. You want to give those student athletes every opportunity to be able to perform at their best. You know what's really interesting to me about these proposals that that I've been hearing? Um, there are, you're going to always have to spend a little bit of money to make improvement. But from what I'm hearing, it's not a ton of money that's going to have to be spent to pull these things off. No, it, it, it's really not. It's not. It's not a, a ton of money. It's more about the structure. And and what we're trying to do is just get our structure in place, one, to where, you know, we can we can uh, have a better experience for our student athletes, 
but also it brings credibility to our league and what we do and how and, and how we do it. And that perception uh, goes a long way, especially from outsiders looking in. Correct. Correct. So, like, you know, with, with that being said, we, we just try to make sure that our structure is set up right. Because you know how it is in business, and we got to look at our universities as a business. If we set our structure up right, then I, I believe and I truly believe that the the financial piece will work itself out if the structure is right. Right. You know, just, just going back with, let's say, the way you set the tournament up. Well, if you set it up right in the more days, we may add an extra day in the tournament, but the more days you play, then now you you got different uh, venues that will may take on your tournament and you may get more sponsorships because of the way it's set up and the, and the length of time it's set up at. Because now you, you, you're in a hotel a little longer, but then that's going to open you up for more sponsorships. You may be playing at a venue maybe a, a day or two longer, but... Now you may get more kickback from that particular city because you're bringing all these people into their town for a certain amount of days. Right, right. And and let's mm-hmm. let's talk about the product on the field as well with the restructure, uh, because the the Achilles heel for that SWAC or MEAC school for that purpose would be extended play beyond regional play, uh, mm-hmm. with your teams that are well rested. And and well preserved and in tune uh, with baseball play. Yeah, because what happens is if you extend the tournament a day longer, now the, the teams that make it into those last few days or to that championship game, now you got your better pitchers going in those times. Now you got the, a, a better snapshot of that particular team. Whereas if it's all crammed into three days or four days, then now you, you may not necessarily get your best teams um, into the regional or into the championship game. Okay. And if you don't do that, then now when you go into a regional setting, you don't have your best team there. And then now your product don't look the same. Right, right. And, 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 and while we're talking about the product looking the same, let's address the big elephant in the room, man. The location. That's been yes. a buzz for the last four or five years now. What's the status on that, if you're at liberty to discuss that? Well, we got some, again, it's a proposal. We got some proposals on the, on the table right now. We're looking at going to Jackson uh, first, if we can. Um, but there's some things that need to be done over there to ensure us a, uh, a good place to play. Um, I think we're all on board with that because it's going to benefit our conference uh, all the way around from a, uh, a standpoint of, of having a home and having a uh, facility that's conducive for deep Division One baseball. You know, uh, so I think that works. And then, of course, um, we also have the, the MLB Academy in, in New Orleans that we've, we've been to previously, which is a great place. Uh, New Orleans is always good to go through at the end of the year for, for all fans because it's a destination spot. You know, you can not only go watch some good baseball, but there's a, a, a pretty good vacation you can have during that, that period as well. And then also, you know, of course, Birmingham is always on the table because it's the headquarters of our, our conference and they have a brand new uh, pro stadium downtown. 
You know, so we're looking to get somewhere that wants us there that and somewhere that we can leave our tournament permanently and that we can also grow the tournament at. Okay, Let, let's revisit back to the Jackson location. What's the proposed location for Jackson if you're at Liberty to share that? Uh, right now, it would be Smith Wheel Stadium. Uh, they're doing a lot of improvements um, to the stadium and, and to the area around there. So that's one place that, that we're looking at maybe going. Um, it's a central location as well where, you know, all the fans can kind of get in and out of Jackson. Um, one thing we do know by the history that, that's been given to us through our commissioners, the team that, and not saying Jackson is the host, but the team that's, that's had the tournament in their town has not always won the tournament. Right. So right. it's not a it's not an advantage, but what we're looking at is what's best for the conference going forward. Okay. Do you know what the seating capacity is of that stadium? I'm not sure, but I know it's a former minor league stadium. Um, it, it is a it is a bigger venue than New Orleans is, um, but it's not as big as the venue in Birmingham. Right. Of course, because it's a new the right. newest stadium. And uh, the thing that you get with New Orleans is it's not as big, but it it fits all of our fans. It fits you all know? the fans, and and you got to give credit. The drainage on that field is remarkable. It's absolutely yes, remarkable. I mean, it's, it's it's all turf, um, you know. But but there are some um, things that we have to look at even there. You know, playing on that turf is something that most of our guys don't play on a lot of times. Uh, then you got to look at the wear and tear and then how much it's going to cost us to go to different places. You know, so right now our conference is looking at where we can go where one, we can get the most bang for our buck and maybe even get to a place to where they're going to uh, pay us to come in there because we are a product. We do have a, a credible product and we bring in revenue. Wherever we go, we're going to bring in revenue because you're talking, you bring in eight schools, to a particular city that's having to, with their fans, having to stay in the hotel, eat, um, and everything else, and the conference paying for different things within the tournament as well, we're bringing money to that, that particular area. So, you know, we have a product that we want somebody to invest in as well. Right, right, right. We're speaking with Carlos James, the uh baseball chairman for the Southwestern Athletic Conference, but he also serves as head baseball coach of the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions. Um, are there any more pertinent updates that you can share with us at this moment? Uh, right now, that's where we are. You know, the things that I can share right now. Um, and I think, you know, the things that we do have put forth as proposals on the table are things that we feel that can get done um, fairly easy without um, hurting us financially or putting our schools in a financial situation to where, you know, it, it, it hurts us, you know, because now you got to think about baseball now is a revenue drawing sport now, and it's only going to get bigger. Absolutely. You know, so Absolutely. All we, all we trying to do is jump in on the front end and position ourselves to where when, when baseball becomes a full um, money-making sport that the SWAC is positioned to be able to take advantage of that situation. And, and everything that Dr. McClellan and the conference has gotten in place for is uh, TV and, and um, uh, sponsorship 
and things like that. And then the product that we're now beginning to put on the field. And if you look at everybody's stadium is upgrading, I think we're in a, in a really good position right now to be able to, when that time comes, when baseball becomes a full revenue drawing sport, that we're in that position to be able to grab some of those monies and be able to help our schools and, and, and put our, our schools on a national level, you know, in our sport. Well, brother, you're definitely preaching to the choir on that aspect. You and I have had conversation on and off the record where I thought if we just paid a little bit more detailed information and strategies toward baseball, it gives us a better chance of winning the quote-unquote impossible games. Uh, it puts us on a better playing field recruiting-wise, and it puts us on a better playing field as far as credibility. So I'm loving yeah. everything that I've been hearing thus far. And, and, and then, both of you just, if everybody thinks about their particular team and the coaches that they have, we're not that far off. I mean, if you look at everybody's schedule when, when they went in and played some of the bigger schools, so we've gotten to where a lot, we've won some of those games now more frequently than we have in the past, and we've made a lot of those games closer than we made than we have in the past. And with the structure we're now trying to propose and put in place, which is going to allow you to have the financial means to be able to continue to grow, then that gap is going to continue to close. Absolutely. We are speaking with Carlos James, head baseball coach of the Golden Lions. And a, a little while ago, you spoke about the facility upgrades throughout the conference. And it's going to lead me now to Golden Lion Baseball, if you allow me to. You got some sure. some, some big things happening on your campus uh, in terms of upgrades of your facilities. Bring us up to speed on that. Yeah, um, we've been very blessed and fortunate here in Pine Bluff to have a lot of people in the town um, that have the means to be able to, uh, that like baseball, that has put, put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. Um, you know, a lot of people think it's, it's Jeff Tor Hunter, which I don't want to understate what he's done for our program. Um, but we also have other um, businessmen like Bill Jones, which now, I feel his name, Bill Jones Field. You know, he's a prominent man, uh, guy in our community that uh, is a is a jewelry store owner. Actually, he owns multiple jewelry stores throughout the region um, that has put money into our facility. We've even had, you know, local banks to get involved in our facility and other local businesses to have put forth proposals to be able to uh, add some things to our existing facility now. Uh, so, you know, it's a good time now to be in Pine Bluff for us and the growth of our stadium. I mean, just last year, we put in uh, approximately a million two into our stadium. Um, we built a new press box area that houses coaches' offices. We got locker rooms. We got a state-of-the-art concession stand. We had a bathroom. We got umpires' locker and dressing rooms. Um, uh, we have a, a lot of other amenities, you know, located in that building. It's a beautiful structure as well. And then we were able to then put some money into uh, redoing our plan surface, meaning right now the infield was redone last year. Uh, so we got new dirt and everything. So it's all leveled out. And we added uh, padding, full padding around the wall in the, in the entire stadium with the graphics and everything else. So, I mean, we got a really nice place to play. Um, we got some other additions coming for us. Uh, 
uh, an indoor facility, light, uh, some landscaping to be done with some with some decks and things like that added. Um, hopefully, a new scoreboard here in the next three to five years, a digital scoreboard to where we can do some more advertising and things like that on our scoreboard. You know, so uh, it's a good time uh, here at YFPB Baseball and the growth that we're, we're seeing. Absolutely. Now, when you mentioned on the lights, how far are you off from adding lights to your field? Well, that's that's a fluid situation right now. Um, sometime it's next year. Sometime it's three years from now, three to five years from now. It just depends on on a lot of things kind of falling in place uh, right now. Because, uh, you know, you just got to have to strategically use your, your, uh, your funding and the backing that you have. And um, the other thing we try to do is if, if I can secure some uh, Power 5 home games, that's going to help me be able to get those lights a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. But it just depends on the, on the timing. Um, it's, it's a definite need. It's something that we're looking at doing pretty quickly. Uh, but again, you know that's something that you know, you know how it is in, in, in uh, college athletics. There's a lot of things you have to go through to get certain things done. Right, um, right, so, right. So we're, we're working through those things right now, and then hopefully, you know, my vision is within five to seven years we'll have everything that I mentioned, you know, into our stadium. Okay, now you know, and you talk about adding that credibility, uh, playing. Division one baseball always, and I'm going to say 75 to 80 percent of the the I'm going to say conferences of consistency. There is nothing like night baseball, whether it's high school, right. college, or professional, and it, it draws a different fan base, but it's also a different experience, which <laughs> I think, which I think could actually increase attendance in some of these home games that we play. Oh, definitely so. You know, the the later you play, you give you give your fans a chance to get home and and then then have some time to get to the ballpark for say a six thirty or seven o'clock game at night. You know, um, but going back to that, you know, in our situation is it's finding the right price for the quality of light as well. You know, you you can put lights in there but you got to put some lights in there that that's of quality to be able to uh, light up the field enough to where it's it's conducive for Division One baseball. You know, because unlike high school, the ball goes higher, uh, it goes faster, and it, and and you got to have that light out there to be able to for everything to be seen. You know, so just getting lights is not just the end all, but you got to get the right lights and the right height. And all that, and all that stuff costs money. So you have to take your time and make sure that you're uh, getting what you need to put into your stadium that's going to last you uh, for some years. Okay, what would be the proper height for some for the right lighting? Well, their NCA has has um, regulations on how the light should be, how tall they should be, how much coverage they should have, and it depends on the size of your field how many light poles that you need to be able to give a efficient lighting to your stadium. You know, so that's one of the things that we're looking at now here at Pine Bluff is because we have a, a fairly large uh, facility and stadium. So 
ours may be way more than what, say, Prairie View may be, you know, because one thing Prairie View has is they have a football stadium that's near their field, which now you can probably put lights on the back of one of the towers at their stadium and give you additional lights. Where I'm out here kind of by myself, and now I got to light more area, you know. So all that depends on where you're at, you know, okay. where you're where you're located on campus. How much light do you need to be able to properly, you know, light your stadium up? Once again, we're speaking with head baseball coach Carlos James. We've talked a full gamut. We talked about proposals coming from the conference. We talked about update of facilities. Now let's talk about the product that's going to be out there on those updated facilities. What's your baseball squad looking like, man, with this fall season winding up? Well, you know, uh, as you know, you know, you and I talked about it last year. We went through um, a, a, a tough year last year. We were injury riddled from from the beginning. Um, so, you know, this year we are getting some guys back um, that were injured all last year, which is a plus. Um, I thought we had a pretty good recruiting class. We filled some holes that we needed to fill, especially on the mound, because that was our Achilles heel last year, given the injuries that we had. You know, uh, so we brought in probably 11 or 12 uh, new pitchers to add to what we already had. Um, and so far this fall, you know, they, they look pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't say that we're where I want us to be right now or even where we have been. But I think that going forward, I think we'll be a lot better this year on the mound with to make, our, you know, our team a lot better. Okay. Um, that, that's, that's the first thing for us is just getting our pitching staff together. And, and it's been a pleasant surprise this year with some of the guys we got. We brought some junior college guys in, and we brought a couple of, you know, two or three freshmen in that we think that could help us as well. Uh, we also getting some guys back that didn't pitch, off, pitch at all last year because of injury that'll be back for the season. So, you know, we're looking to be pretty solid in that area this year. So with you bringing in 11 pitchers and you had, what was it, five, six returning pitchers? We actually had 11 returning last year. So right now we sitting, we got about 21, 22 guys right now. Man. Um, but, you know, with that being said, you, you really don't need but 13 to 16 of them. Right. Um, so what we've, what we've created is competition. And by creating competition, um, we made the guys that may have not been um, performing at their best last year, they've gotten a lot better this year because of the competition and the guys that we've brought in. Uh, so that makes for a better staff overall. You know, I, we don't have any guys that's going to throw 95, 96, no. Um, but we got guys that, that have some pitchability uh, that's going to be around the plate and that understands uh, what we need them to do on the mound. Okay, okay. Now, as far as other uh, key players, anybody you'd like to highlight at this particular time during your fall season? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we have Nick Chrysler coming back, which was all-conference guy last year at first base. Um, I think last year he hit 364 with 11 home runs. He's back for his senior year. Um, he's also graduated. He's a graduate, so he'll be playing as a graduate this year. Um, so it's good to have him back. Uh, we got our third baseman back now, um, uh, uh, Robinson, which he missed probably a month and a half last year, and he never really was fully healthy. 
So he's now coming back. He started practice again uh, last week in, in a squad, so it was good to have him back. Um, Joe Parker, which was an all-conference selection preseason last year's shortstop, he's back this year. He's healthy. He missed about a month of season last year as well, but he's back. Um, so we'll have those two guys probably man in the middle. Um, we brought in a guy named J.R. Maldonado um, from McCook Junior College, which was rated as one of the top 50 junior college players uh, in the country. Uh, he'll play some third base for us, and he'll play first base, and he'll even DA some for us this year. He's been a pleasant surprise, um, and he'll hit in the middle of the lineup for us. Uh, we also got back uh, uh, a kid named Darian Aldridge, um, which set out last year uh, due to injury as an outfielder um, that's going to um, play a key role for us, that's going to give us a lot of foot speed in the outfield. We'll have a slack outfield this year. Finally, um, with him coming back, you know, he's a left-handed hitter, about 6'3", um, can spray the ball around the park, you know, so we, it's good to have Darian back this year. Um, we also get our center fielder back this year that's been a year out uh, last year on a uh, – he did a uh, um, – what you call that? A uh, deal for a job. He, he, oh, internship. Uh, yeah, he did an internship last year. Casey Higgins will be back this year. Uh, he's a six-six runner. He's about six-two. Uh, he started to come on his sophomore year, but again, he sit last year. But since he's been back this year, man, in center field here in, in the fall, he's a lot more mature, and that's going to give us, uh, you know, uh, a, a really good guy in center field that can track down some balls with a strong arm, uh, with some speed, and, and he and he has some pop in his bat, so. That's going to help us out a lot in the outfield. And then we we also bring him back, uh, um, Brandon Simon, which was a freshman last year. He started out the season very well. He was hitting over 300. And then, like, as you know, with most freshmen, you know, he hit game number 25, 26, and that, that average just plummeted. He started, to, started running you know, out of gas. <laughs> yeah, he, he ran out of gas. You know, so he'll, he'll be in there this year in left field. Um and then we got another kid back, Zalkowski, um, that was injured a little bit last year. That he's a six-five runner that we we depended on last year that didn't get to play. That has some pop in his bat. He'll hit in the middle of the lineup, so we'll get him back this year. So you know we'll be fine. Uh, we added a, a couple of junior college catchers because, as you know, our catcher got picked up by uh, the Royals in the off season. So we added a, a couple of Juco catches that's going to help us out behind the plate. So, uh, we got a pretty good, uh, 12 guys. I, I would say 12 or 13 guys. We're not very deep right now because we got a lot of freshmen that's behind those guys, but, um, our initial team should be pretty solid. Uh, and I think we, we're making headway of, of getting ourselves back up to the top of the conference again. Okay, man, it sounds like you've locked and loaded, man, and even got some out in the shed just in case of some breakdowns. Yeah, we, we try. Um, we, we do what we can with what we have. You know, uh, like you and I always talked about, you know, we don't have necessarily the scholarship limit that everybody else has in our conference, but we do the best of what we have, and I think uh, the improvements that we made with the stadium has made it better for us in recruiting. And, um, the class that we got uh, set to come in next year uh, is going to help us out a lot. But I think, you know, just with the improvements of the stadium 
and the direction the conference is going in, that, that's helped us out a lot. And I think, you know, UAPB baseball, the future is going to be bright for us in the coming years. Well, not only a UAPB baseball, but it sounds like in the land of the Southwestern Athletic Conference when it comes to baseball, exciting, oh, yeah. detailed information that I am truly, truly uh, thankful for you sharing with us and our audience on today. I did have another question in regards going back to the conference um, last oh few years with the MLB. I, I call it like a preseason liftoff. Will that still be uh, something that the conference is involved in? And then what's the location of that? And who are the teams that will be invited to start that season off? Well, uh, right now we'll still. I know we're we're still going to be uh, participating in the Andre Dawson Classic this year in New Orleans to start the season off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know all the teams that's going to be involved right now. I I, I believe Southern is still in it and Grambling is still in it uh, in Alabama State. Uh, I don't know about any other teams that are involved uh, in the tournament, but uh, that tournament will go off again this year. Uh, in the coming years, I couldn't speak to that. You know, will we still have it or not? Uh, Major League Baseball is making a big push to do a Black uh, College National Championship at the end of the season. So I don't know how that's going to affect the uh, Andre Dawson Classic going forward. But also that's going to be predicated on if we pass our uh, proposal of moving our schedule. So if we move our schedule back, then we probably won't be involved in any kind of national championship uh, scenario at the end of the season. Okay. Now, um, when you say national championship, was this a national HBCU championship or just yeah. okay? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a national HBCU, and I want to add a national HBCU Division One championship. You know, because I don't want to get anybody uh, riled up about that, but it just would be involving the. Division one schools, meaning your uh, M- your MEAC and your SWAC schools, if we do put that together, uh, it's a number of entities other than MLB that's trying to get that together as well. But that's going to all be predicated on on uh, our conference and how we're going to proceed with our scheduling going forward. Though. Okay, well, brother, you have been a wealth of information, which is what we're all about here. And I want to thank you, and I want to give you an opportunity to have some closing thoughts and comments at this time. Well, I, I, I just like to say, going back to what we talked about before, the people of the SWAC need to know that we're in great hands with Dr. McClellan. And I know he hasn't sent me a check or anything, you know, to, to, to pump him up or anything like that. But just if you spend an hour with him or any time talking to Dr. McClellan about his vision, and 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 sitting there with him and as transparent as he has been with us as coaches and with people throughout the conference, the conference is in great hands. And I think everything else starts with that leadership. And you can see the product of every sport has just gotten better in the short time he's been the commissioner of the SWAC. I mean, you can look at football just this year, you know, how it's structured. I mean, you look at ESPN, you know, you got players getting game stickers on helmets in the in college game day finals because of his involvement with ESPN. You know, you got you had uh, on ESPN goal line this year. You had the the Prairie View Southern game being broadcast in, in the waning minutes when the game was closed. They cut to that game on ESPN 
on the on the main network to show parts of that game. So that shows you right there what type of leadership we have in place in the SWAC office. And I think with that leadership, that permeates all the way down to us coaches to want to do the same thing within in our individual programs, which makes everything better for the SWAC. So I would say to the SWAC audience to get involved with your university, continue to give back. And if you haven't been giving back, please give back to your individual university so that we can continue to grow. So now we can be uh, proud and, and be on that same stage with every other conference and every other school in the country. And that's going to help us to be able to go out and recruit those top-level kids that we wasn't used to, that we used to get back in the day that we can now get now because of uh, the media presence that we have now uh, with the flag. Very well stated, sir. And I want to remind folks that he is Brother Carlos James, head baseball coach of the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions. That's a mouthful when you think about it. He's also yeah. the uh, baseball chairman for the Southwestern Athletic Conference Baseball Committee. I am the radio guy, Dr. Mike Francis. Always want to thank you guys for being a part of our show today. Remember to follow me on Twitter at the Mike Prince Show. The YouTube channel is Open Mic Broadcast Network, and our 24-hour dial-in message line is 713-570-6736. And until the next time, you guys be blessed, and we'll see you on the other side. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.